Well, hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brace, and it's showtime here again in Berks County once again on this beautiful Saturday morning in January. Right here on AM Radio 11 AWFYL. Uh, beautiful day, beautiful week, beautiful year so far. Great start to the year. Thank goodness for a greening planet. Thank goodness for a greening planet. Folks, we have become the source for authenticity and exactitude, and you've identified our show as a guidepost, so thanks for being with us. And uh, for taking on this pause of plenty with us, we're going to have plenty of discussion today, folks, on these documents that are in O'Biden's garage. We'll talk a little bit about that. And, of course, the uh, <clears throat> we're going to get into some of that. We're also going to talk about some of the precedents that are being set and uh, the IRS agents that are being sent packing. Folks, we're going to get to that and a whole lot more discussion points today as we as we identify the truth and bring it to you at the speed of sound so thanks for being with us and uh, for taking the time every Saturday morning to be with us. We appreciate it so very, very much. Folks, I wanted to chat a little bit about what's going on on the, uh, I mean, uh, it looks to me like oh, Biden has already admitted guilt in public. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's really, really uh, interesting. Earlier this week, it was revealed that documents were classified markings from his time as vice president, oh, Biden, uh, when he was then vice president, when he was there. Uh, some of those documents that were marked classified were found at the Penn Biden Center, which is the center that is funded by the Chinese government or the Chinese people. I should say the Chinese, some Chinese communist entrepreneur, if you will. I guess this, you could say that's an oxymoron. But I think the thing of it is, is that um, whomever has money in China is being controlled by the communists. And somebody gave all Biden money for the Penn Biden Center. And uh, that will be a topic at a different day. Uh, different conversation, but getting back to the classified documents, they were also uh, they were also found in his garage next to his prized Corvette. Uh, you know, just to be clear, as Vice President, O'Biden had no authority to maintain possession of the documents after leaving office, so he's got a hold of documents that he had no authority to have. So you've already got the pundits on the fake news now; they're already making comments and claims that you know there's a distinct difference between. Oh, Biden here and Trump and the documents and whatnot. I remember they laid Trump's documents out of the carpet and they said, here's the pictures of them. And they released all those classified documents uh, to the public. So they're all there. I mean, they didn't redact them at all, but man alive, they put them all out there. <clears throat> but with the Democrat, uh, with the communist that they're uh, the communist supported Democrat, they're not putting anything out there. And everyone, including uh, I should say everybody in the fake news seems to be overlooking the obvious. What is O'Biden doing with documents from when he was vice president when he didn't have the authority to have those documents? Uh, what's he doing with the documents? So theoretically, I guess, as president today, he could declassify them instantly. And there, there is some truth to that. So I don't want to overstate that. But it's, a, it's just an interesting point here. So, you know, they, they've got all these fake news experts uh, opining in expert fashion, as the liars normally do. And they're basically saying there's a direct that there's there's a no comparison here because he's able to dis declassify the documents now. But everyone seems to be overlooking that he had these documents years before he, he had the authority to declassify them. So don't miss that, folks. Don't miss that. So, you know, the bottom line is the the, the statute uh, that is implicated by O. Biden's conduct is the Espionage Act of 1917. Now, the same law under which uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton was investigated, in which the Department of Justice is using now to investigate Donald Trump, 
Trump is the only one of the three who can argue that as president, he had the declassification authority, though. Don't miss that. With regard to the memorabilia and the other documents he allegedly took to his private residence. Don't miss that, folks. He's the only one who can argue that he had the authority. The the uh, FBI, the then FBI director, James Comey, he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't, you know, at the time we all remember, he didn't want to prosecute Clinton. He said, no, no, no. She didn't appear to have the intent to mishandle classified information. We all remember that statement as we all uh, wonder, stood there in amazement and wonder that the FBI director would say, okay, well, even though she mishandled these documents completely illegally, again, the Secretary of State, because she had no authority to declassify them at all, the FBI director, the, the then FBI director, James Comey, made it a point to say, well, her intent wasn't there. She had no intent to declassify them. So I want to make sure we're clear on that. I mean, you know, th these, these liars and these double standard cheaters, if you will, election deniers, uh, the election fraud deniers that they are, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just making these comments because quite honestly, they, they don't know what else to, to say. Uh, they found oh, Biden's garage stuffed with, with illegal uh, classified documents that he had in there when he was vice president, stuffed in a box behind his Corvette. And, uh, you know, and, and he also had some at the Penn Center that was funded by a bunch of communists. So, you know, they, what are they going to say to it? You know, so they're trying to run from it because, you know, because, they, you know, they're trying to say, well, you know, whatever, there's, there's a distinct difference here. Well, there isn't, folks. OK, the fact is the standard that's applying to Trump in their mind is not applying to anybody else. I mean, you know, and that's just a, that's just a fact. So, again, the White House statement, the official statement is he inadvertently misplaced the classified documents in an admission of guilt. So when he said, he, I, I inadvertently misplaced them. So he admitted guilt. That's the fact. So we already have all Biden on record as as admitting guilt for mishandling the documents. And it is a violation of law. Even if it's inadvertent, it's a violation of law. Don't miss that, folks. The law is the law. You've been going to enforce the law or you're not. As a civil society, we have a responsibility not just to define what the law is and the laws are, but we also have a responsibility to enforce them. Now, of course, when the intent is not proven in some laws, then that does lessen the severity of the penalty. But make no mistake about it, classified documents, okay, this is what we're talking about, how they handle classified document and you know, in documents. And and I think what's interesting, as I said before, you know, what we're talking about is the 1917 um, Act, if you will, of, of, you know, what they call the Espionage Act of 1917. I mean, this is this is what's interesting. OK, so I'm referring it to that because that's what they called it. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see because they're saying he mishandled him inadvertently. OK, so Biden, oh, Biden's attorney general, uh, Merrick uh, Garland, uh, laid out the facts uh, of the case, maybe he's out there on TV and he's, you know, basically what's interesting is he had all the evidence on December the 20th and you can do a countdown on the days here, but we're looking at almost four weeks, almost four weeks since he had everything together from when he is now dealing, dealing with this. Okay. So he's making the announcements like four weeks later. So, you know, Garland laid out his facts that drove him to the decision and Biden while he was a private citizen, after the conclusion of his term as vice president, retained batches of these classified documents. So I, I just think that's really interesting, very, very interesting. And, you know, again, it gets back to the point that, you know, OK, I mean, he's a private citizen now and he's he's holding on to these documents that he, he secured as vice president. Look, the reaction to the special counsel appointment. OK, uh, it was interesting if you saw that. Uh, I mean, uh, Richard Sauber, who is the lawyer that Biden is using right now to help deal with this, is it's it's amazing. 
His reaction basically said the president is confident that the special counsel investigation is going to find the documents in question were inadvertently misplaced. What the heck does that mean? I, you know, it's amazing. So we actually have an attorney that's going to rewrite the law here. So I guess what we can do is we can take the letter of the law and we can put in there, if if classified documents are deemed inadvertently misplaced, all of this will be declared no harm, no foul. Is that what was written in the law? Because uh, I don't have the law in front of me, but maybe Richard Sauber believes that that should be written in the law. And so they're looking to they're looking to say, well, you know, we, we find they're inadvertently misplaced and we can, you know, no harm, no foul, nothing here. But it's not a defense. It's not a defense to charge of mishandling classified documents. <clears throat> you know, it's not a defense to, to, to make a statement that, well, they're inadvertently misplaced. Okay, that's, that is an admission of guilt. Don't make any mistake about it. Okay, for conviction, federal law requires prosecutors to establish that the defendant was grossly negligent. Now, that's what they're trying to make the claim. There's no need to prove an accused was trying to harm the United States, just that he was just that he was trusted with classified information and carelessly flouted the standards for safeguarding it. So they're going to try to make a comment that, you know, classified documents in his garage in a box behind his bet, Corvette, you know, stacked up with the other stuff, okay, in his garage, you know, the tomato plant stands and the, you know, the old computers and the eight-track tapes he had from 1980, you know, those things are all in that, they're all in that garage and uh, along with these classified documents. And because, you know, he didn't know, he inadvertently misplaced them there, we're going to say he was not grossly negligent. Well, I would submit, folks, when you have documents that are in a garage that you're passing by every day, classified documents that are in a garage that you walk by every day that you're in that house, in that garage, okay? Because remember, he parks his Corvette in there. So every time he goes down to hug that favorite Corvette is, you know, just to go down there and take the, the bugs off of it and take the dust off of it and sit in it and pretend he's driving, you know, because he doesn't drive much anymore. He really can't. So he's going to sit in that car and pretend he's driving, you know, like the boom, boom. He's going to sit in there, put his foot on the accelerator, pretend he's driving down a busy street. You know, he goes in there. This is a routine he probably has every day. And that Corvette is, you know, because... I mean, the, the, the thought of uh, the thought of this dementia patient driving is, is was really scary. I mean, someone that's got some sort of mental decline like this should not be driving, okay? Someone who cannot read a prepared statement should not be driving, okay? These are people that we will not trust with a leaf blower or certainly behind the wheel of a car, okay? So he goes in there. The only need for that Corvette is to go in there and pretend he's driving. So he's down there every once in a while to you know, relive the, the, the days of the past, his days of memory. As he's doing this, sitting 10 feet behind him are those classified documents. So, you know, you could say that he did not grossly, he was not guilty of grossly negligent, being grossly negligent. You could say that. But when you've got classified documents sitting out there in, in plain sight for anybody who's, who's in that garage, with permission, of course, because he did have a lock on the garage door. I mean, I mean, forget the fact that Robert De Niro's house in New York was broken into by some some amateur, well, some professional burglar, but he was his house is broken into. Okay, forget all that. I mean, you got these secure home. Nancy Pelosi's home was broken into, okay, in San Francisco. Forget the fact that these secure homes are being broken into. Okay, I mean, we all remember what happened to Robert De Niro, okay? His house got broken into it. He was sleeping in bed, and the burglar, is a female burglar, she's downstairs, you know, ransacking the house. And as she's down there doing all that, he's up there sleeping. So, you know, you know, we're going to keep things in a garage, and, you know, so they're really vulnerable for anybody to get past a $2 lock on a garage door. Okay, don't miss that. So, grossly negligent, 
I would say it's grossly negligent when you secure when you when you have when you have when you have uh, classified documents secured in a box, a, a cardboard box. Okay, uh, uh, in a stack of other cardboard boxes behind ten feet behind the Price Corvette that are sitting behind a two dollar lock on a garage door. I would say that's grossly negligent. Now that's just me. I would say that most objective people on our show today, as well as people you know in Southeast Pennsylvania that have, have identified our show as an oasis of truth, they're also seeing things very objectively. Now, of course, the people that voted for for John Fetterman, you know, the man with brain damage, or and for Senate, and the man that and uh, for governor who's never held a job or who's never tried a case as a lawyer, those people probably won't see it as the gross negligent, but. Objective people like myself are going to see this as gross negligence because that's what it is. It's what it is. He didn't have a safety deposit box. He didn't have him in a safe, wall safe, floor safe, any kind of a safe. He had him in a box in a garage. So don't miss that, okay? Again, you know, you don't miss it. The statute of limitations for the law runs out after five years. That, that much we do know, okay? The Department of Justice has a policy against prosecuting city, sitting presidents. So maybe they're not going to prosecute him because he's a sitting president. That are at least one possibility, uh, you know, and that that's basically hold the president accountable. And that's impeaching the imp- an impeachment investigation of him, which is going to allow Congress to subpoena documents from the White House. So it's going to be delicious watching this Democrat get get subpoenaed so they can get these documents. I think that's going to be delicious personally. Um, I also think it's important that we understand that. I believe that's part of their plan. You know, it's interesting. Oh, Biden is already threatening to run again. Now, I say threatening because I would say promising if he was a, you know, a sought after candidate. If he was a popular president that is well sought after by his party to run again because he's just doing a, such a wonderful, stellar job, uh, you know, they would want to reelect him. But only a third of all Americans want to reelect him and only about 45 percent of Democrats want him back in. So the fact is, nobody wants him to run again. So He's up there threatening to run again, saying, well, in spite of what you want, I'm going to run anyway. So they're like, okay, well, here come these documents, and here comes the special counsel, and here goes, and there out the window goes your opportunity to run for president again. I find that very, very interesting, okay? And, you know, you got, he's just laying the blame out there. It's the National Archives' fault, okay? He's out there trying to say that. You know, know, it's the National Archives' fault. It's not my fault. It's the Archives' fault, you know? You know, I mean, he was on CNN yesterday, uh, you know, well, a CNN reporter was out there telling uh, yesterday, saying, uh, not that anybody's watching CNN, but it was reported on CNN, uh, that the former current administration officials and other familiar, others familiar with the process, okay, um, you know, the National Archives refused to, to treat then Vice President O'Biden's records with the same high regard as they did Obama's records. I find that interesting as well. So, again, while the National Archives sends staff members to the White House to gather files and papers of the president, they don't treat all vice presidential papers with the same high regard, period. That's what they're trying to make claim. Staff members from the vice president's office are often left to sort through papers themselves uh, rather than specialists. So here they got these fake experts explaining how all this could have happened, okay? I find that intriguing, okay? While while these classified documents are, are holding the same level of, of secrecy for presidents, vice presidents, and anyone with proper security clearance to handle them, you know, it would be easier for these papers outside the Oval Office to be mixed or left behind. So it's an oversight, it's an inadvertent oversight. So the report also stated that they're done on, you know, CNN, stated that the documents that were left behind by the National Archives were ultimately dumped at the Penn-Biden Communist Center, 
where a trove of these classified documents were unearthed by O'Biden's attorneys in early November. I thought it was interesting. See, they, they believed they were going to lose the House, and they knew the investigations were going to take place. So what they did was they basically went down there to go clean house, and all this stuff came out. So they're down there cleaning house. I remember watching a Sopranos episode where a... Uh, where one of the one of the uh, torpedoes for Tony Soprano, well, I should say one of the the guy that was the torpedo on a, a certain hit, uh, he and another guy that buried the body underneath an overpass. Uh, when he was going through his mental breakdown, they went back and they dug up the body. And it's like, I mean, they're going back to dig up the body. And Tony Soprano said, "What are you trying to get caught? What is wrong with you? Why are you bringing all this attention down to the hole and you dirt that you dug and buried this person in?" So here we are. What's interesting is they knew that the Democrats knew. Oh, Biden knew that the Republicans were going to do investigations because they set the precedent for investigations. They set that precedent. So there come more investigations. So they were doing Operation Cleanup. So all of this was Operation Cleanup in an effort for them to to get a handle on these documents, these troves of documents and classified documents that were mishandled. And, you know, I mean, you got many of the boxes of personal items not deemed covered by the records requirements to submit to the National Archives. They were transported by the by uh, O'Biden's office to a, I should say, from his office to a temporary facility about one block away uh, from the White House run by General Services Administration. What's interesting is what is a temporary facility? What is that? What do they, what do they mean by that? Is it a storage unit? I mean, that's what I'm curious to know. From there, they went to another temporary office before eventually being moved to the boxes of the Penn Biden Communist Center for Di- Diplomacy and Global Engagement and, and Communism uh, and Spreading of Communism. A think tank, O'Biden, openly, he opened early in 2018, how to spread communism across the planet uh, and to do it in a way that's at the speed of light, if you will. That's what they're trying to do. So the report didn't state how classified document reached two other non-secure locations, which I think is interesting, you know, such as his garage. Okay. And, and, you know, that's what's interesting. So now NBC News got in there, fake fake NBC News got in there, and they, they reported a couple of days ago that O'Biden's former executive assistant, Kathy Chung hired to the post office after Hunter's recommendation. So the son makes a recommendation after he sells influence, after he sells influence, peddles influence to this Kathy Chung. I wonder who she is. Uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, she was questioned by law enforcement over the classified documents stashed in three separate locations. Again, what are they, storage units? So Kathy Chung's employment as Joe Biden's assistant was in part due to Hunter, again, from influence peddling, who recommended his dad hire her. Uh, according to that's basically according to Hunter Biden's laptop. Okay, so there's more going to come out of the laptop. So Hunter, Hunter, and and Chung remained in close contact over the course of uh, Joe Biden's tenure as vice president. I'm wondering if this Kathy Chung's a communist. I think there's going to be more covered with her. I don't know who she is, but it's just going to be interesting to find out who she is if she's tied to the Communist Party. Their correspondence included uh, included arranging of Biden's family business meetings with former University of PA President Amy Goodman. Well, all Biden later picked as U.S. ambassador to Germany. So, so he goes over and he says, "Okay, I'll make you the ambassador of Germany, and you're the president of UPenn if you help me with my old Biden Center." I, I don't know, or, or because you helped me with my old Biden Center. What's interesting, they gave old Biden nearly a million dollars for a couple of speaking engagements. Which I think it's interesting. And then after that, uh, some anonymous donors, millionaires, billionaires out of China, gave a bunch of money to UPenn. Now, what's interesting is who are these anonymous donors? Again, there's nobody with any real amount of money in China that is not 
owned and operated by the Chinese Communist Party. Don't miss that, folks. Don't miss it. Okay. China is a country, okay, right now. They're a country, okay, who can easily turn around. They are turning around with all these people dying and these crematories being overrun. Their funerals and funeral homes are being overrun. They're cutting the time down to funerals to, to a matter of minutes. You're having what they call, you know, you, we've all heard of speed dating. You know, when you go to the tables and you, you know, you're sitting down, you go to a restaurant and you've got like 10, 10 people sitting there and you go from one table to the next to the next to the next. And basically, you have a five-minute conversation to see who you could connect with and how you can connect that speed dating. Not that I've done it, but I've seen it advertised and how they promote it. Well, now they've they've actually coined, I'm, I'm coining the phrase right here on our show, I'm coining the phrase speed funerals because in China right now, they're, they're, they're creating a phenomenon called the 10-minute morning, okay? So the state, the communist state, is telling mourners that they cannot mourn for more than 10 minutes. Now, I mean, only in a communist government can they turn around and tell people you can only mourn for 10 minutes think about that folks think about what kind of country china is when they tell these people who lose loved ones to you you can only be only mourn for a handful of minutes and there's not much you can do with this until uh until after you know 10 minutes where we're over and we're moving on to number next it's called speed funerals so anyway these same people the same country that's doing this you know that they know who has money and they're in control of where that money goes. Don't miss that, folks. Don't miss it. Okay, that's a perspective you can bank on. Make no mistake about it. So you you pay gets a ton of money, okay, from some Chinese communists, okay? And all of a sudden, Amy Gutman becomes the U.S. ambassador to Germany. Just so our listeners understand, the ambassador is the U.S. president of former soil. That's who they are. And ambassadors generally, generally are, generally ambassadors are, um, you know, it's just a real cushy job. It really, really is. So anyway, Joe O'Biden admits in 2016 that Hunter had access to his dad's garage. Now, that's another point. So now we know, we know that O'Biden was no longer vice president in 2016. And he admitted on record that his son Hunter had access to his garage. So these, these classified documents, again, we're going to get into our was it gross was it gross negligent on their part or not okay was it gross negligence okay well we can say that we can we can we can actually point to that because now we we can know with certainty that O'Biden admitted um you know back in 2016 that his son had access to the garage so i mean hunter even owned he even owned the residence at 18 so that house was his house so again these documents were in there all these years and hunter owned the house in 2018 and uh, again, according to a document that was unearthed by the New York Post, Miranda Devine uh, a couple of days ago that just came out. So Hunter owned the house. So <clears throat> we can know with certainty that these documents were compromised. We can know for certainty. So are we going to talk about gross neglect? I think so. I think so. On Friday, uh, on Friday, yet you know, I should say yesterday, uh, James Comer, Kentucky, he's the, the chair of the House Oversight Committee, he confirmed the address on Hunter's driver's license in 2018 was the same as O'Biden's house. Now, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's what's going on here. Uh, Mark Green, he's the chair of Homeland Security, he's demanded a forensic analysis on everybody who had access to the Penn Biden Center, every communist that ever stepped foot in there, and O'Biden's residence, of course. They want to know who stepped foot in there, who got past the $2 lock. Everybody wants to know all that, so don't miss that, folks. You know, it's interesting. It's Jim Banks. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry. It wasn't Jim Banks. It was, uh, oh my goodness. It was another, there was another, uh, 
there was a fellow, I'm trying to think of his name. Hey, hey Johnson, that's who it is. Hey Johnson. Hey Johnson's a guy. This is interesting. Hey Johnson, uh, just to give our listeners a little history, Hey Johnson's a guy that Oh, a few years ago, claimed that if enough people stood on the side of Guam, you know, one side of the island would flip the island. I mean, this is what Hank Johnson believes. He's a Democrat, a Democrat out of Atlanta, Georgia, and you know, he he claims that islands can be flipped if too many people get on one side of the island. So he was like, "Oh my goodness, that island's just floating." <laughs> anyway, so this is the guy right now. He's suggesting a couple of days ago, he suggested that someone planted these caches of classified documents on all Biden. What's interesting is he's trying to give all Biden political cover by saying somebody planted them. That's interesting. Okay. Now, you know, I, I would say that I do agree. I mean, he's making comments that it's not beneath the department of injustice to go around planting evidence. And I think that's really compelling how he's making that point for all Biden. What he doesn't realize is that he's now making that point for everybody else because the department of the corruption at the department of justice doesn't have a political party party affiliation preference as it should as it shouldn't i should say but it doesn't so much that's not the problem their their issue is just corruption blanket i mean they they they, they decide to plant evidence on somebody they're going to do it and so hey Joss is probably right on that as he makes his comment on that uh you know that that's you know he he makes his remark last thursday that a, of, of a second cache of of, of a cache of, of classified documents he says, you know, it's not that, you know, at the Biden Center. He's like, who's planting this stuff? Oh, and, oh, and the third cache, it consists consisting of one document found during Biden's attorney search. I thought that was interesting, too. But whatever the case is, uh, there was no FBI raid on Biden's residence. Uh, we can know that. Um, you know, the FBI, I don't, I don't, they, they didn't crash in the door. They didn't go in there with, you know, guns ablazing. They didn't go in there with a bunch of cars outside and police dogs or anything else. They just basically, uh, like they did to Trump. So we, we can see the double standard all. It's very, very uh, clear. It is unclear, though, whether Merrick Garland knew of the Biden documents when he appointed a special counsel on November 18th to investigate, among other things, Trump's storage of classified documents. So the discrepancy between the two cases was glaring and remains so, despite the fact that Garland announced just a couple of days ago that a special counsel Robert Hur would investigate Biden's handling or mishandling of these documents. I think that's interesting. So Representative Johnson is notorious again. He talking about Guam and and yeah, too many people on it going to flip the island. So I think what's really interesting on this is now he supports packing the Supreme Court before. See when you're when you're looking at these people and you see these people, anybody who believes Guam, the island of Guam, can be capsized by too many people on one side of the island. That person is not going to come up with public policy that's worth the spit. That person is going to come up with really horrible public policy. People that believe in the insane ideas of other people are going to obviously come up with really bad public policy. I would tell you, say the same person that believes unicorns can eat clouds, okay, or the same person that would come up with the type of public policy that Hank Johnson comes up with because he believes that, well, that Guam can be flipped over by too many people on one side. So don't miss that. I, I just think it's it's... It's very, very compelling when we look at, at these people and we understand that, you know, this is what they're, I mean, they're, 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 what are they capable of doing, okay? And uh, I just think that they're capable of, of the worst. They're absolutely capable of the worst. You know, but um, so, you know, but I think what's telling as well, that I want to I want to go back and I want to go back on this point here, folks. I want to chat a little bit about it. I mean, how he changed his alibi from knowing to securely locked in residence. I thought it was interesting. So he makes a comment, okay? Uh, uh, oh, Biden's alibi for story troves of classified documents at three separate locations went from 
went from claiming he had no knowledge of the documents to reassuring everybody that they're stashed in a locked store, a locked garage. I thought that was compelling. So he was asked again, uh, you know, about being about the documents he had, and he said, "Well, they're in a locked garage." So he, like I said to you before, and I want to, I want to go back to what McCarthy said too. He, he said he's basically admitted to it. We were talking about that earlier on our show that he admitted to it, he admitted to the guilt. But don't miss that part, folks. Is that he originally said he didn't know anything about it. Don't miss that. So the the dementia in chief patient goes from I don't know anything about it to yeah, well, don't worry, they were all locked next to my Corvette. Overlooking, of course, the fact that Hunter Biden had access to that garage for the last seven years. Overlooking the fact that Hunter Biden even owned the house back in 2018. Overlooking all of that. Who else could have possibly seen these documents? You know, it's it's like I stated before. You know, we are, you know, we're, we're, we're always amazed, but never surprised on this show. And, and it's just very, very telling, okay? Very, very telling. Very, very telling. I want to get into the IRS agents. Basically, we're going to be be canning some IRS agents. I think that's very delicious. And I want to chat with that. So they're going to repeal the army of 87,000 new IRS agents. Gee, I wonder, I mean, that's that's friendly to Americans. Let's get rid of these guys. The Republican-led Congress right now voted to repeal the billions that Democrats desired to spend on an army of IRS agents. So House Republicans voted unanimously to repeal the Democrats' army of nearly 100,000 IRS agents. It was the very first act of the new Congress. I thought it was made. I thought it was interesting that they said promises made, promise kept, get rid of the IRS agents. You know what's interesting, and I, I wanted our listeners to understand this. If you went to the bank and you took out of your bank account, just say you had, say you were able to have a bank account with just say a few thousand dollars, and you went in there and took out, you know, two thirds of that money, the policy of the federal government was for the banker or the teller to ask you, what are you going to use the money for? Think about that. Is whose business is it? Who, whose business is it of how I use my money? What's telling on all of this is the plans for the IRS agents were not to make sure that the taxes were being filed correctly. They weren't. They weren't to help citizens file taxes correctly. They were there to crawl through the call through every bank account of middle class America to find out, you know, what, what was purchased, what was what money was withdrawn, and for what, so they could actually send tax assessors out to figure out and ask questions. For instance, they saw that you withdrew cash, $6,000 from your account. They could send an IRS agent out there and say, okay, what was the $6,000 for you, remember? And look for and look for certain purchases. I mean, that's what tax assessors did back in the 1800s. They were looking to kind of do that again with these 87,000 tax assessors. I'm going to call them tax assessors. We can just call them IRS agents. But I think what's interesting is, as I stated, they are now repealed. They're gone. And, uh, and by the way, every Democrat did vote no on this. Don't miss that, too. So that tells you all you need to know, right? It does. It tells you all you need to know. I mean, the Democrats voted to maintain the 87,000 new IRS agents. So who is on the side of the middle class? Don't miss that. I mean, I, I swear it would be interesting for, for us to have the base to say, okay, I voted to repeal the IRS agent, and Chrissy Hooligan voted to maintain them. Okay, Madeline Dean voted to maintain these IRSs. So, Madeline, what were you looking to do with these IRSs? Why were you looking to maintain them? Help me understand. Help me understand. You know, it, it's it's interesting. The Democrats are engaging in egregious spending, and now they aim to pay for their reckless behavior by taking more of your hard-earned money. That's what they're trying to do. And these IRS agents were a way for them to take more of your money. And I just love the fact that they got rid of these 87,000 IRS agents. So I love it, you know, and Republican leadership fulfilled their promise to strip the IRS of the billions 
more for IRS funding, and like we have to fund the IRS with billions more dollars. I, I'm, and the $80 billion increase over the next decade came, I mean, $80 billion increase in the IRS. Think about that. $80 billion increase in the IRS. You know, when you look at the GDP of countries, okay, this is literally about one-tenth of the GDP, entire GDP of some countries. I mean, $80 billion, that, that is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. You know, and, and uh, I mean, the GDP of, of these countries, I mean, think about it. What what countries, uh, you know, what countries had a GDP of, uh, I'm just trying to think here, what countries had a GDP of, uh, uh, GDP of of uh, of under um, of eighty of eight hundred billion dollar, even eighty billion, eighty billion, eighty billion dollars. I'm interested to know, and I, I just think it's interesting. Uh, you know, but but again, th- th- it's a lot of money. It's a ton of money. All right, and you got these countries like in you know some of these other countries, they might have a uh, you know a, a GDP of like a whatever, maybe uh, you know eight hundred billion dollars, maybe it's ten times that, but whatever. It's just in a, it's a lot of money. Don't miss that. And I think, you know, when you look at these countries right now and you just see, I mean, how many countries had, had uh, you know, $80 billion? I, I just think it's just amazing, okay? I mean, like Estonia. Estonia had, you know, Estonia or maybe Madagascar. I was going to say Madagascar. I was going to say it. I'm looking this up now, folks, so bear with me. Madagascar. I mean, that was one. I was going to say Madagascar on there. Mozambique was another one I was going to say. Macau was another one. North Korea, obviously North Korea. I mean, but Kazakhstan, um, you know, I mean, Haiti. So the entire, think about that, you know, the entire GDP of, of some of these countries like the Maldives, okay, or Burundi, okay, or Monaco, um, of the entire GDP of these countries, uh, Gambia, I mean, is is comparable to about what about what the 10-year funding was on its, I mean, don't miss that. I, I just think that's an amazing, amazing phenomenon, okay? I mean, it's just an amazing amount of money. And, you know, I, I think, you know, when you look at it like that, I mean, you're looking at trillions of dollars. I mean, the U.S. right now, the uh, the GDP in this country is about, well, it's a little less than China, believe it or not, but it's double that. I mean, we're double that of India. But, you know, some of these other countries, I mean, like I told you, the Solomon Islands, Samoa, Vanuatu, that's it. I mean, yeah, that's really what it comes down to. But anyway, when you go down to these lists, Palau, okay, that's what, that's how much money, that's how much money was being, uh, that's how much money was being held, folks. I mean, that's what was being raised for these. I just think it's it's just uh, it's really uh, an amazing thing when you look at the fact that these IRA eighty billion dollars. How much money that is? I mean, that's a lot of money. That's like buying. Well, that's like. Oh, why don't we just say this? Okay, that's like buying the Boston Red Sox one hundred sixty times. Okay, one hundred sixty times, maybe two hundred times. Okay, that's how much money that is. That's an amazing amount of money. But anyway, Congress initially passed the seven hundred billion dollar Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, that's. That's almost three quarters of a trillion dollars, and uh, wouldn't actually reduce inflation. But now, but but it did grow government in several, several ways by expanding IRS IRS with eighty billion. So now that's been that's been debunked thanks to the Republicans. So I wanted to point that out to our our, our listeners that the uh, never fear the eighty seven thousand IRS agents are not coming, folks. They're not coming. And uh, you know, I also wanted to talk a little bit about the. Uh, Republicans are now filing impeachment articles on Mayorkas. I mean, that was out there in the news as well. Alejandro Mayorkas, who's in charge of the border, you know, the border fiasco, uh, he's going to be impeached. Okay, and that's going to be interesting. They're going to impeach this guy. We were saying on this show here that what the Republicans need to do is they need to impeach these people that the Democrats have appointed, people that the Democrats appointed to these, you know, 
to lead these departments, okay, like the Department of Homeland Security and so forth. Well, Mayorkas is one of them, okay? So Mayorkas is, uh, you know, he's he's basically, he's the, heart of, he's, the, he's the head of Homeland Security, and he's done a horrible job, all right? Since day one, his policies have undermined law enforcement activities completely, okay? And he purged himself before Congress by maintaining operational control of the border to the infamous Whipgate slander against our Border Patrol agents. So, but my orchestra was out there saying what they were whipping the the horse, the horse riders were whipping with the what he means you know were whipping with that whip of his but with theirs but they instead of understanding that they were using it to steer the horses he didn't want them using horses to keep people from coming over the border. My orchestra has proven time and again that he's unfit to lead the Department of Homeland Security. So he's the first on their list for impeachment. So they filed articles of impeachment in the House Judiciary Committee. And again, his willful actions have eroded the immigration system, folks. Make no mistake about it. He undermined border, border, the Border Patrol's morale and, and he jeopardized American national security. He's violated the law and it's, it's just time for him to go. I mean, that, we can all agree on that. So it was reported that there was one article of impeachment claimed that Mayorkas had failed to carry out the, the Secure the Fence Act of 2006, which requires Mayorkas to maintain operational control of the entire international land and maritime borders of the U.S. Now, the second article alleged Mayorkas is a violation of his constitutional oath, willfully providing perjurous, false, and misleading testimony to Congress. So the article cites that Mayorkas' testimony during two congressional hearings in which he claimed that the border was secure. I mean, this is what he's saying. So they're going to beat this guy on. The third and final impeachment article claims that Mayorkas publicly and falsely slandered border patrol agents who were accused of whipping Haitian immigrants near the southern border. We all remember that. So anybody who knows how to operate a horse, anybody who knows anything about a horse, you know, horse steering a horse, knows that they use these things to steer the horse, these reins. Well, anyway, late last year near the southern border, the uh, House Republican leader McCarthy called on Mayorkas to resign or publicly possibly face an impeachment inquiry. So he warned him, said, you're going to be impeached, buddy, if you don't, you don't resign. So if he doesn't resign, they're going to investigate every order, every action, every failure, and they're going to determine whether he can be impeached. Well, if they can begin impeaching inquiries, they're going to do it. You know, what's really interesting on this is now the Democrats are showing us that they're, the thing called impeachment is something that they can use to, uh, and they will use, to, uh, to, manage, to, manage these, to manage these bureaucrats. You know, it's, it's just like I told you. It's, I, I'm, I'm very happy about it. I think our listeners here want to know because you've got the Republicans doing something here. You know, they're doing something. So McCarthy, oh, by the way, McCarthy extended his invitation for the State of the Union address. And, uh, um, of course, so Biden accepts it. They're going to have it in a couple of weeks. Um, and so he invited, you know, basically he, he a kind invitation to come to the House. I just think that's very interesting. The date of the address is scheduled for the 7th. And again, uh, I mean, they're trying to be civil about the whole thing, but make no mistake about it. He's uh, he's going to come in. They're going to look. They're, they're, he's going to reveal his communist policies left and right. I just think that's telling as well. They, you know, the Democrats are not interested in doing anything. You know, the Democrats, they want to decriminalize illegal border crossings. Mayorkas did, did that. They want to allow amnesty for illegal immigrants. These are things that the Democrats want. Not to mention unrestricted abortions during any point, point in the pregnancy. Not, not to mention any of that. Record high inflation nation. Attacking personal privacy rights with vaccination nation. I mean, they wouldn't, remember they were doing all that, folks? Attacking the supply lines and attacking our energy production and allowing the lowering of the voting age. I, I mean, that, that's what they want to do. They wanted to do. They didn't do, but they want. They certainly want to attack private health care. They don't want private health care. They want free everything for illegal immigrants. This is what they're looking at. 
I mean, you remember, these are the people, okay, who raised money, okay, to bail out the rioters in Minneapolis, the ones that burned the police station down. They raised money to do this, yeah. They support defunding ISIS. They want open borders, folks. They want sanctuary cities. They want sanctuary states. You know, and, and again, it's it it's just it's just something I want to point out. You know, sanctuary city, sanctuary state. They want to stack the Supreme Court. This is who they are. Usher in the Green New Deal. You know, it's really interesting on the on the Green New Deal. I think what's interesting is that now they're figuring out now that these cars can't cut it, and they're realizing now that they you, you can't get rid of fossil fuel cars. Now they they understand. You see, because. The truth is getting out because people like myself are talking, okay, the planet right now is the biomass of greenery on planet Earth has increased by 15%. That's what NASA just said. Now, to put that in proper perspective, that is the amount of land mass that is equal to the, the increase in greenery on planet Earth is equal to the land mass of North America, the North American continent. Think about that, folks. You actually have greenery coming into desert regions because the planet is getting healthier and healthier. The oceans are healthy. The oceans produce the CO2 that feeds the planets. So the healthier oceans are producing more CO2, feeding the planets, which are producing, again, more oxygen for us. I'm not convinced that milder winters are, are a real problem for Pennsylvania. I'm not convinced of it. I think milder winters are fantastic. The polar caps are not melting. and We do not have rising ocean levels. Miami will not be underwater, as they stated, the Democrats stated in the Democrat debate. Okay, so don't miss this. I mean, what we're understanding is, and, and as you're listening to our show here, you're understanding that we pointed out that perspective. We pointed out that perspective a couple of years ago. The Democrats were debating, you know, Biden was on the stage talking and debating about how how he will prevent Miami from being underwater with the melting polar caps. Now, does he really believe that? Because if he does, you don't want that kind of a person making public policy. Now, the bottom line is we need cleaner, we need cleaner air and cleaner water, and we have that. Our planet is cleaner today than it has been the last hundred years. Make no mistake about it, maybe longer and uh, maybe 150 years. And I would suggest, folks, again, the, the, the milder winters are indicative of a healthier planet. And a milder winter means healthier human beings living in these in these northern or northeastern states. And the fact that the polar caps are extremely frozen and extremely large and extremely healthy for polar bears and whatnot, and penguins in the South South Pole. But don't miss this, folks. We are not we do not have dying ecosystems on the planet. We have growing ecosystems. See, what we're seeing with our own eyes is a contradiction to what we're hearing from the from the green cretins, okay, who are trying to promote this crazy lunacy insanity policy, okay? The people that are trying to ram electric cars down our throats are the same people trying to convince us all that our planet is dying. We got ecosystems that are gonna die. And these same people, by the way, are are are, are basically flying their own private jets from source from place to place. So they could quickly go to different cities and 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 you know and and preach their their doctrine of doom to their green Cretan audiences and this is what we're looking at folks. So what's interesting is that truth is getting out there. The truth is getting out there, and people understand that electric cars don't give you more flexibility. They don't give you more. They don't give you. They don't further your ability to have a to have a long drive with your family. They certainly don't. They don't enable that. Electric cars do not give you the ability to be able to jump in your car with little notice and little with little planning, okay? And uh, to jump in your car and, and to drive uh, for 10 hours or so 
after you fueled it up. I mean, you, you can't do that in an electric car. Electric car can't drive for 10 hours. An electric car can only drive for about four hours and then it's done. Okay, so electric cars limit your driving time to about four hours. It's about how long you can drive an electric car. They say the mileage on an electric car is about 240 miles, 230 miles. I mean, that's straight driving, you know, 60 miles an hour, okay? Um, uh, certainly, though, um, if you're not straight driving, you're just running it, the car's there, and you're kind of running it. You'll still you'll still get, and you won't get 240, you might get 180 miles, 170 miles, because remember, the batteries are, are, are dying as the car is not plugged in. So these are truths that are coming out there. And people are understanding that. You know, it's you can get you can buy an automobile that's that's powered by by gasoline and and, and it's not polluting because they've been pushing these these restrictions on these auto manufacturers for all these years. So now these cars actually produce cleaner emissions, biodegradable emissions. Uh, there truly is a, a cleaner emissions coming out of these cars. The cars are maybe not they're not as fuel efficient as they used to be back in the eighties, but they're certainly fuel efficient enough. I mean, you can get a, a you know a Chevy Suburban uh, can get a t almost twenty miles to the gallon. Okay, uh, that's a giant vehicle, about twenty miles to the gallon. Or you can get uh, most automobiles today in six cylinders. A lot of the six cylinders they can get thirty miles to the gallon, nearly thirty miles to the gallon. Uh, so these are facts that you can bank on. So. Literally, you can go with six gallons of gas as far as an electric car will take you. Maybe seven gallons of gas. Okay, so to put that again in perspective, if you're comparing the driving, you may have a 20-gallon gas tank on your, you know, on your minivan or your small SUV, and you're driving, you're driving three times on that, on that electric, you're driving three, three times farther than you can with an electric car on that tank of fuel. And of course, you can go back in there and fuel that automobile up in a matter of minutes, whereas an electric car takes hours to charge. These are truths that you can bank on in Denver. This is why the electric car industry is not taking off. And what the Democrats tried to do is they tried to 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 fund all these industries with their with their billion the trillion dollar bailout, but but a lot of it didn't fly through because voters know, and you know we know. And on this show, look, we see things objectively. I'm not listening to the fake experts on television tell me how wonderful electric cars are. I'm looking at them. I'm looking at the objective facts around it. How do they heat? How do they heat in the wintertime? How do they provide heat for people in the wintertime? You know, how do they handle snow? How do they handle being stuck in the snow? Or how do they handle being stuck on a freeway because of an accident on a winter day uh, that blocks a freeway down for three or four hours? How, how does that car fare? You know, and, and how long does that charge hold up? What are the chances I can get that car home? Where do I got to go from here? I mean, what are my limitations in that car in a winter day on a winter storm on a, on a blocked freeway? I mean, we've all been there, folks. We've all been there. Okay. So these are things that people don't want to talk about with electric cars. And, you know, you heard the Biden administration people there, you know, the Department of Commerce and Department of Energy. Okay. And these people, they, they, they're they talking about how they drive their their electric cars past the $5 gas pumps, $5 per gallon gas pumps. Remember they were doing that a couple of years ago? Well, I just drive right past that $4.80, $4.80 gallon gas because I, I got my electric car. You know, but they're not talking about the obvious. And, and again, Americans are tired of this. They're tired of this. They're tired of these liberals, these these communist liberals in the Democrat Party wanting to wanting to put government officials on company, private company boards, board members. I mean, this is what they want to do. They want to attack profits, attack dividends, attack 401ks, attack pensions. What do I mean by attack? They want the money. They want the government to be funded by this money. So the people that have 401ks, that have pension plans, that, that have dividends from stocks, 
They want to attack that. They want they want to take your money. I mean, they want to take your hard-earned money. And and again, a large company that has a board of directors would need a federal charter. They they want to establish these things. This is what this is what the Democrats want to do. I would tell you folks, the America First agenda is an economic and military supremacy, secure borders and law and order, the best education on planet Earth, and, and an honest media, an honest media that that expresses outrage when when a communist individual running for, for governor in the state of Pennsylvania refuses to to debate his communist ideas and, and his, 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 his lunatic plans for Pennsylvania with a sound-minded individual on the Republican side. He, he refused to debate him. Because he knew he could he could not defend the indefensible. And and an honest media would have held him accountable. An honest media would have expressed outrage. An honest media would have would have covered this in a twenty-four hour news cycle a hundred times over, and everybody in the state would have realized that that Josh Shapiro was running from debates. And then they would have said, Well, why would I vote for a guy that, that doesn't want to debate those those principles and values and virtues that they espouse that they believe in why doesn't somebody want to debate that which they hold to and, and believe in what what is the purpose behind that well it's obvious they don't want to debate because they know it's indefensible don't miss that folks well we have to leave it there thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today and being with us today thanks for spending time with us on this saturday morning right here on am radio 11 awfyl See you next week on our show, Point. See you later on today on our show, The Watchman. That'll be on at 1 p.m. on this station. So tune in at 1 p.m. on at 11 AWFYL AM radio. And uh, we'll be we'll be talking about the objective truth again at the speed of sound. So see you then at 1 p.m. today. See you next week on our show, The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.